Hello, friends, and welcome to the Coastline Baptist Church podcast. We hope this message will equip, encourage, and edify you in your journey of life. We'd love to connect with you. Please email us at info at coastlinecc.org. And for more information about our church and our services, visit coastlinecc.org. Now let's open our hearts and open God's Word. So my, three of my boys just started playing football, okay? They just started playing football through the local uh, DY League. And uh, my son Donald, his first game is today, 1 o'clock. He's never played football. He only got to go to one practice. And I'm excited for him. As a dad, I'm a little nervous, but I think he's going to do great. He's got a great team. But Brady and Charlie, my kindergartner and um, my second grader, they had their first game yesterday morning. They wanted us there at the field at 7 a.m., by the way. That's insane, okay? That's insane. I'm trying to get my little, trying to get me out of bed to be on the field at 7 a.m. But we got there a little 7:15, 7:20. They made way in. I, I think they have to. They can't be over 119 pounds. And I said those two boys together wouldn't reach 119 pounds. So I think we're going to be fine. So they had their first game, and um, you know they call they call them the mites, and uh, the little mites. And they had there was another team, the other from I can't remember where they were from, and. And they started the game, and they didn't, no one passed the ball once. All handoffs when they're that young, all handoffs. And so, so my kids went in, and Charlie went in. Charlie's just like a little, just a little pit bull, a little bulldog. He just wants to get in there. He's chasing guys down that are two feet taller than him, diving for him, and just he's awesome. Brady, on the other hand, okay, Brady, my little Brady, a little kindergartner, um, Charlie is athletic, and Charlie loves playing sports. Brady loves playing sports too, but he's just kindergarten, he's five years old. He's the smallest guy, in, almost the smallest guy in the field. There's kids there that are like really tall. So the ball is snapped, and I'm telling you, probably every play, here's Brady, okay? They say, they say uh, you know, snap, or whatever, they, they get the stance. This is Brady's stance, like this. Kind of like just hanging out. Like this is his football stance on, de- on defense and offense, really, whatever it may be. This is his stance. And then they say, hike, and they, they, they blow, and this is Brady. Brady. Stands up to his feet, okay, right when the ball is snapped, and right when it's it's time to go. Excuse me, let me get this out here. Right when it's time to go, and he just starts slapping his hands like this. Like, he just starts d- dancing around, and just, he didn't know what to do. There's all these bodies running around, they're all bigger than him, and he just kind of slapped his hands together and moves. I'm like, this kid, this, this kid is learning. They've, they've had a few weeks of practice, but, you know, when they're that young, it's hard to know how much they're really learning and things like that. And I thought about that story, and I thought about little Brady on the football field when we're talking about life not making sense. Because the bottom line is Brady's going to grow and learn more. But right now, first game, not just practice with your buddy, but this is the enemy, the opponent. It, it's, it's a lot to, to take in. And I could tell. He's just, he just like, I know I need to move around fast. <laughs> so he's just dancing around. And it didn't all make sense to him. It didn't all make sense to him. And that's just the way life can be sometimes. Church, church, remember this. We live in a fallen, sin-riddled world. That's the world we live in. It's a broken world, full of situations that don't make sense for all of us. And they'll vary, and they're different. They don't look the same. But every one of us have situations in life that just don't make sense. Our lives can sometimes feel like they're just full of heartache and full of trouble. And can I remind you that God still deserves worship during confusing times. God still deserves our praise when life 
is hard, when life doesn't make sense. And that's the message today. We're going to be in 2 Chronicles 20. We're going to have so much scripture this morning that I'm just going to read it here. If you have your Bible, you can go to 2 Chronicles 20. If you have your phone and you want to go on Google real quick, it's 2 Chronicles chapter 20. And, um, and I'm going to just do it from there. Uh, I'm going to read the scriptures for you because there was so much today. I said, you know, I'm just going to read it instead of trying to put up 110 slides. Because it's a a long story. This is from 2 Chronicles chapter 20. We find a man here, a king, in 2 Chronicles 20 in a situation that doesn't make sense, in a very difficult situation. Now let me just give you a little bit of context about this guy. His name is King Jehoshaphat. And I think for the rest of the message I may call him King Joe because it just takes so much extra time to say Jehoshaphat. But King Joe here, King Jay, wasn't perfect. Was he God's choice to be king for the people of Israel all those thousands of years ago? Yes, he was. But was he perfect? No, he wasn't perfect by any means. He did, at the, in the Old Testament, tear down the false gods that they were worshiping. And that's great. And he tore down the groves, they call them, where they had the gods and the statues. And, and he tore the idols down that the people of Judah had put up. You see that in chapter 17. He did call on God in times of trouble. But this guy also had his son... Mary, the daughter of another wicked king, King Ahab, who was just a wicked, evil king in the Old Testament. King Jay had his son Mary, the daughter of that wicked king, Jezebel's daughter. He did go to visit King Ahab, this wicked king, and created an alliance with them, which you weren't supposed to do back in the Old Testament if you were people of God. He did go against the commandment of God uh, through the prophet. The prophet has said, God does not want you to go into battle. And King Jay said, well, we're going to go anyway. And they lost a lot of men. King Jehoshaphat almost died in that battle that he, that he went to that he wasn't supposed to. But God was gracious still and helped him in that battle, even though he wasn't supposed to go. And chapter 19, before we get to chapter 20, shows King Jay returning from this battle that he was urged not to go into. The prophet of God, Micaiah, uh, said, don't go. God does not want you to go to battle. And King Jay said, well, we're going to go anyway. Even though he went against the command of God, God protected him, God helped them, but he almost died. So chapter 19 shows him coming back from that battle in peace, but the other prophet, Jehu, rebukes him and says, says, you're you're creating an alliance, you're yoking up with, with God's enemy. But with that rebuke, he also compliments King Jay about the goodness in him, the faithfulness in him towards God to tear down the idols in their kingdom. And seeking the Lord. So the life of Jehoshaphat, the life of King Jay, it really looks a lot like our lives. It's, it's, it's like every other story in the Bible. You could talk about Moses and Abraham and Peter and Paul and all the people in the Bible, the stories of the people in the Bible. Those stories and the story about King Jay in his life, it shows the grace of God in our lives. See, the grace of God was not limited by the shortcomings of King Jehoshaphat. Remember, God's grace, can I remind you this church? God's grace is greater than your sin. God's grace is greater than your shame. Someone needs to hear that this morning. God's grace is greater than your fear. It's bigger than your past. God's grace overshadows that in a beautiful way and covers it all. He will show you grace when you don't deserve it. And that's why it's grace. Because we don't deserve grace, but God lavishly gives it anyway. There's no such thing as deserved grace. That's an oxymoron. It doesn't make sense. He'll show grace when we don't deserve it. So we find this imperfect, broken man, King Jehoshaphat. We get to 2 Chronicles 20. And I want to share quickly three truths that we see 
in this passage, in this story, about times when life doesn't make sense, some truths that we can, we can hold on to when life doesn't make sense. So I'm going to read, listen along, I'm going to try to be as quick as possible. And the first two verses, remember, King Jay had just got back from this battle he wasn't supposed to go to. God protected him anyway. We get to chapter 20, and here we go. Verse 1 says this. You can listen or read along in your own Bible or on your phone. Second Chronicles 20, verse 1. It came to pass after this also that the children of Moab, the children of Ammon, and with them other besides the Ammonites. By the way, when it says children, it means just the people, not actual children. The people, the Ammonites, the Moabites. Uh, they came against Jehoshaphat to battle. So all these big enemies, all these big companies of people and these big kingdoms, Moab and Ammon, they come against him to their kingdom to battle. Then there came some that told Jehoshaphat, saying, There cometh a great multitude against thee from beyond the sea on this side Syria. So he has some messengers come to the king and say, Hey, there are enemies all around you, from Moab, from Ammon, all the enemies are coming to attack you, to kill you, to take over the kingdom. That's a pretty big problem. After just getting back from another battle, after getting rebuked for his wrongdoing and, and making things right now, trouble comes into his life. The enemy is on its way to King Jay's kingdom, to those people, to God's people, to kill, to attack, to capture. Let me give you the first truth. Life not making sense is going to come to you. I wish that we could avoid trials. I wish that we could avoid difficulty. I wish that we could avoid situations in life when life doesn't make sense. But the truth is, the reality is, it's going to come into our life. Maybe you're in that zone right now. Maybe you're involved in the situation in life right now, and life just doesn't make sense. Things just aren't coming together. Things just aren't working out. Life is not going to make sense. It's going to come to you. It's going to stare you right in the face. It's going to meet you in the morning when you wake up. Man, I hate that. I hate when I go to bed and there's still something not figured out in life. I struggle with that. And I wake up and the first thing I think of is, man, i got to figure this out. It's going to come. It's going to face you. It's going to keep you up at night with its silent screams of fear of what's to come. It doesn't care about your reputation. It doesn't care about your schedule. Difficulty does not care about what you have going on in life. It's going to enter. Doesn't care about your financial well-being. Doesn't care about that you faced difficulty last week. No, no. Difficulty, trials, challenges, life not making sense is going to come to every one of us. That's a tough truth. Difficulty is going to come to the poor man and the rich man. It's going to come to the child. It's going to come to the old man. It's going to come to the optimist. It's going to come to the pessimist. In your life, confusion will come. And it looks different for everybody. For some people, losing a job would be great. Man, now I can find another life. I hate my job anyway. Now I can find a different job. For some people, man, that's... They depend on that job. I mean, they need that job. They got to provide for their family. So it looks different for everybody. Some people don't care about their car breaking down. It's they got money and savings. But for some people, it's, man, it's the end of the road. Literally. Trials look different for everybody. James chapter 1, in the New Testament, verse 2 and 3 says, My brethren, James says, count it all, count it all joy when ye fall into diverse temptations, which means various types of trials and difficulties. He says, count it all joy. Have cheer. Be happy when, not if you fall into trials, but when you do. Knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience. Jesus said in his ministry to his followers in John 16, Jesus said, these things have I spoken unto you, that in me ye might have peace. In the world ye shall have tribulation. He said, you're going to face trouble. You're going to have difficulty. You're going to have bad days. Your life's going to be hard. 
Man, the sad fact, the big truth, the undesired reality that we all face, no matter who we are, is that you will have difficulty. I will have difficulty. Life is not always going to make sense. We can't hide from it. It's always going to find us. <laughs> difficulty, stress, confusion will come. But look what, look what Jehoshaphat does. I'm going to read it. Listen along, read along. Verse 3 of 2 Chronicles 20. Remember, the messenger had just come and said, the enemies are on their way to kill, to capture, to attack. So what does Jehoshaphat do? Verse 3. And Jehoshaphat feared and set himself to seek the Lord and proclaimed a fast throughout all Judah. And Judah gathered themselves together to ask help of the Lord. Even out of all the cities of Judah, they came to seek the Lord. Second truth, yes, First truth, we're all going to face it. We can't hide from it. Life not making sense is going to come. Second truth is this, though. Life not making sense, trials, difficulties, will trigger a response in us. We will react. We will respond. In Jehoshaphat's case, in King Jay's case, he chooses to respond by not only seeking the Lord personally, but as a nation, as a leader of that nation, says, we're all going to get together. We're all going to fast and pray and seek help of the Lord. Now, by the way, can I just also, we also see what he did before he, he sought the Lord. It says that Jehoshaphat feared. Can I remind you that when challenges and difficulties come, fear is not always wrong. Now, if fear begins to control us and control our emotions and control our responses and we're, we are run down by the fear of the unknown, then that's when it, we, we, yeah, that becomes a problem. But I'm not going to stand up here and act like when our housing situation began to fall apart and we had nowhere to go, that I wasn't a little freaked out. I got four kids. I need somewhere to live. <laughs> it's a little stressful. I was a little stressed. And I was seeking the Lord, but I was like, man, what's gonna, we don't know what's going to happen. God knows, but I'm not God, so I don't know. And Jehoshaphat, this king, this man of God, this king who was God's man, feared the enemies were coming. And in your life, listen, it's okay to, to, listen, worry and concern are two different things. Worry will, is, is fear that overtakes us and we just kind of, we kind of just shrivel up and don't do anything. Concern drives us to a response. We, we, move, we move into action. Like, yes, I'm worried, concerned about this, but I'm going to do something to try to, you know, whether it's seeking God or asking for help or whatever. But, but it's okay. Like, if you're sitting here and you're a little freaked out about the situation in your life, I want you to know that God gives grace for that. Don't feel ashamed of having a little worry in your heart because everybody does. The followers of Jesus Christ, when he walked on this earth, had fear and had concern and had worry. So you're in good company. Life not making sense will trigger a response. So, so the question for you this morning, and you can think about it in your own heart, is when confusion or stress or difficulties come into your life, how do you respond? You should respond. I should respond by trusting in my Messiah, in Jesus Christ, to deliver me, to deliver you. You may respond by looking to someone else or something else to be your Messiah, to be your Savior. You may even try to be your own Messiah. But can I remind you that there's only one Messiah. There's only one Savior, and his name is Jesus Christ. See, in the big moments of heartache or fear, you cannot trust your spouse to be your Messiah. 
Oh, I can tell you that when I was a, a younger, a young husband, I probably still falter at it sometimes, but especially when I was young, a younger man, and we were newly married, and, 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 and my wife was, uh, we were, you know, only two, three years married. When trials would come, oftentimes we would look to the other person for, for salvation, for, uh, as a Messiah, like, you have to fix my problem. I'm upset, so you need to fix, I'm upset, so fix it. You need to, you need to change so that I'm happy, and, and vice versa. I'm looking to my wife, Marissa, to be my Messiah. That's not the way it's supposed to be. No, because there is only one Messiah. So you can't look to your spouse to be your Savior, to make you feel, uh, uh, you know, to make everything go away, because we're all broken. Your spouse is just as broken as you, than you. Your job can't save you from strife. A bigger paycheck isn't going to fulfill you. And by the way, I'm not diminishing the blessing found in a spouse or a good job or, 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 or a raise or in other things. That's all gifts from God. But nothing and nobody on this earth can keep you safe from and through all the difficulty that you most certainly will face. Earthly messiahs will always fall short. Okay? And that should be expected. In the little moments of difficulty that we more often face, not just the big moments of heartache, but the smaller moments of difficulty, you're going to respond one way or the other. You're either going to rest in your own strength, which all of us so often do, including myself, in determination, your own determination to show patience, to be calm, to hold your tongue, to control your temper. We're going to try it on all in our own strength to just hold it together. Or we're going to rest in Christ, in Jesus, our Messiah, to deliver us from even the little moments of difficulty. I'm talking about everyday stuff. When your coworker annoys you by not doing their job, how are you going to respond to that? You're going to let it ruin your day? You're going to let it ruin your work and what you're supposed to do because your coworker's being a pain? That's a, that's a little minor moment of difficulty. And I see some chuckles in the room because I know we all face this. Me too. When your son or daughter shows an attitude and you want to put the fear of God into them, I'm going to deal with this. When your child spills his milk or breaks something, when your spouse doesn't do something that they, they said they were going to do but they maybe forgot or they said something that hurts you, how do we respond to these little moments of difficulty? By the way, these situations and these examples are all just proof that we live in an imperfect world. But, but what we do, church, often is we take those little moments and we just say, well, that's just part of everyday life. And however I respond, it really doesn't matter in the grand scheme of things because it's such a tiny little thing. And, you know, everybody, everybody gets annoyed. And everybody does this. And everybody lashes out. Everybody loses patience. And they're just common, normal occurrences that, you know, we suddenly have a right to be angry or mean or critical or, or whatever. And that's not the truth. You can either rest in your strength and fail miserably most of the time when you're resting in your own strength, or you can, in those daily common occurrences, when our faith is tested, even in a small way, we can choose to believe Jesus when he said, in John 16, remember I, read the, I quoted the verse earlier, he said, in this world he shall have tribulation, but then Jesus follows that statement by saying, but be of good cheer, for I have overcome the world. Listen, God knows that we're not always going to have these earth-shattering, life-changing trials of affliction every day. We're not going to face these big, giant moments of heartache every day, but it's going to be all those little tiny ones, those small moments of life when life just doesn't make sense. Those moments of spiritual warfare, we have to make a choice to either rest in Christ or to live life without his power. I don't want to live life without his power. He gives grace for all of it. The difficulty that you're facing 
or our faith uh, that you face or are facing, it's going to trigger a response. I'm not going to stand up here and act like if my kid spills his milk that I'm just like, oh, son, we all make mistakes. No, it bothers me sometimes. I, I don't have my spirit in check more often than not. So when something small like that happens, it's easy to have this immediate response of, hey, come on, what's going on? I probably did it this morning and, and got a little impatient with my children because I'm not resting in the grace of God. I'm resting in my own strength, trying to get things done, trying to make things happen, trying to make our service look perfect. I want everything to be good. And I can get in my own head sometimes and forget that God gives grace to me for being an absolute idiot so often. And who am I to not show grace to everybody around me? He gives grace for it all. As we read on in 2 Chronicles 20, and I'm not going to read all the scriptures here, but verses 5 through 13, he begins to pray. He's, he stands up in front of all the kingdom there in Judah, all the people there, the, the mothers and fathers and grandparents and children, they're all there, probably below. He's probably up in his, um, where he's standing and kind of over the people to talk to them. And, and he's there and, and he begins to pray and he talks to God and he he praise and says, God, you saved our fathers and you delivered them out of this. And, you, and he just talks about God and asks them for help. And hey, you've delivered us from evil and from when we had no food and you, you gave us this. And he just kind of is praying and asking God for help. And then we get up to verse number, oh my, let me find it in my passage. I think it's verse number 12. Yes. Verse number 12, he says this as he finishes up his prayer in front of all these thousands of people. And I want you to hear this church, please. He says, O our God, wilt thou not judge them? Can you please take care of this, God? For we have no might against this great company that cometh against us. He says, we don't have what it takes. This is all these kingdoms coming at us. We just came back from battle. We're tired. We're worn. We don't have the power to defeat these guys on our own. And then he says this, neither know we what to do. I, that statement encourages me so much because there's so many times in life that I'm like, I don't know what I'm supposed to do. I don't have the answer. And Jehoshaphat here says, God, can you take care of this? Because we can't defeat them on our own. And we don't even know what to do. But he finishes with this. But our eyes are upon thee. Our eyes are upon thee. And I love this last verse 13. It says, in all Judah stood before the Lord with their little ones, their wives, and their children. See, the last truth that I see in this passage, okay, is that life not making sense, you know what, I think the Lord did that on purpose because I was just going to share something about Seth anyway. We're talking about life not making sense, okay? And can I remind you that even though we have lived with autism and, and, and learning about it for, oh my goodness, Dan, probably five years now, maybe six years. There's probably nothing more in our lives that's more unknown than that. I want to talk about life not making sense. I remember when we found out that he had autism, we didn't even know anything about it. We brought him to speech therapy to try to, you know, because he wasn't talking yet. He was probably, oh my, he's nine now, probably three years old, and and I remember sitting in the therapy with the speech therapist, just a typical speech therapist, and, and they weren't even trying to get him to, to talk. They were trying to get him to like do a puzzle or just, and I'm like, this doesn't seem right. And I remember finally asking the speech therapist, like, could this be autism? Like, just give me a straight answer. And she said, well, I can't say that for sure, but that's the direction we're leaning. They gave me all these phone numbers to call to try to set up a, a testing. And 
Man, that shook our world up. It shook our world up. And, and by the way, even though we get, it becomes part of our, our normal now, it still shakes us up sometimes. It's still a challenge sometimes. There's still sleepless nights often. Life doesn't make sense. But can I say this as I kind of jump from that and springboard into this last point? Yes, life not making sense is going to come to all of us, first truth. Life not making sense is going to trigger a response, second truth. Third truth is the life not making sense is an opportunity to worship. It's an opportunity to worship. King Jehoshaphat, in the face of difficulty, in the face of trial, they just got back from another battle. Now all the enemies are coming. Man, he could have pouted. He could have been angry. He could have said, God, why are you doing this to me? We just did. But no, 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 no. He stands before God with all the people of Judah, their little ones, the men, the women, the children, and he makes the choice to worship, to trust, to depend upon to rely on, and throughout that whole prayer that he said, verses 5 through 12, he talks about the sovereignty of God in verse 6, and the promise that God made to his people in verse 7, and the presence of God in verse 8 and 9, that God is always with them, and the goodness of God is glorified in verse number 10, and he acknowledges the fact that they belong to God in verse 11, and then in the last two verses, 12 and 13, they reaffirm their utter dependence upon God by saying, we can't defeat them, we don't know what to do, but our eyes are upon thee. In their difficulty, and their not making sense situation, they chose to worship because you know what they knew that God had never let them down before didn't mean that they hadn't faced any challenges but God had never let them down even when they had continually rebelled against him with false gods God still forgave he still loved he still showed grace they may have endured chastening and and, and, and punishment through it all but it was all part of his grace have you ever recognized that your life not making sense is an opportunity to worship because just like the people of Judah in this passage, God is sovereign in your life. God is in control of your life. Even when things don't make sense, you can worship him. You can trust him. He will keep the promises that he made to you. Jesus was forsaken by his father in the New Testament so that we would never be. That's why Jesus said, "Why, my God, my God, on the cross, he said, why hast thou forsaken me? He was forsaken by his father willingly so that we would never be. That's why he says, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. It's a promise of God. You don't have to be a slave to fear or to shame or to sin. You belong to God. We've got to get to the point, church, when we can say, I don't have the strength to make it through this senseless situation. I don't have the strength. I don't know what to do, but I need you, God. I don't know what to do, but I need you. I worship you for who you are and what you'll do, and my eyes are upon you. Every trial that you face, listen, every difficulty that you stumble through is another opportunity to give God glory, to bring him glory, and to draw closer to him. First Peter in the New Testament said that the trial of your faith, being much more precious than gold that perisheth, though it be tried with fire, might be found unto praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ. Peter says, listen, your trials, your troubles, your difficulty, life not making sense for you is worth more than gold. Why is it? Why are my difficulties so valuable? Why are your challenges so valuable? Because they give you an opportunity to worship God. They give me a reason to give God glory. They give me a reason to lean on Him. They keep me close to Him. And oftentimes, 
We use our difficulties as an opportunity to complain. I know I do. I complain during hard times. I get frustrated. I get annoyed. I, I get fearful. I want to hide away. Sometimes I get angry with God, but that's not his plan. That's not what God's trying to do. He's not trying to annoy us. No, it's not his will. That doesn't have to happen. You don't have to get angry. See, David, King David in Psalm 3 says this. He says, Lord, how are they increased that trouble me? Many are they that rise up against me. This is King David. In the Bible, you know David and Goliath? So this is him. Many there be which say of my soul, there is no help for him in God. David's own son was trying to kill him as he wrote that psalm. His own son had stolen the kingdom from him, was trying to kill him. But he says this. In the cave, he wrote this, in a cave, hiding for his life. But thou, O Lord, art a shield for me, my glory, the lifter up of mine head. Listen, King David was King Jehoshaphat's great-great-great-grandfather. And he wrote that while he was fleeing for his life from his son Absalom. And he was worshiping in the midst of difficulty. A couple of years ago, right before, um, before lockdown... Spring of 2020. Actually, it was more like the winter of 2020. February of 2020. Honestly, I, don't, I think, Dan, I think it was the time when we were looking at it. We were trying to find a building for our church. We had just started six months earlier, and we were at the in-law apartment, and we were starting to grow, and we really wanted just to get some momentum. And 2020 was going to be our year, you know, to, to grow. And we were looking at a building, a great storefront on Long Pond, and um, it fell through. It just fell through. It was going to be too expensive, and it really bothered me, and, and, and um, man, we had just got here, we were tr- adjusting to life on the Cape, and trying to make ends meet, and it was just, oh, we were going through a lot. I remember I, I, my, my wife was working, Buzzards Bay, doing um, private care, and, and uh, I had the kids with me, and a couple of them were in school, and, and I remember just feeling so down. I woke up one morning, it was kind of a cloudy day, and I just felt so down, and just kind of worried about the future, and Am I even cut out to, to do this? Am I cut out to be a church planner? Am I cut out to be a pastor? And all these different things. You'd start getting down there. So it was probably a Monday, you know, one of those Mondays. And I remember driving. I, I, um, I drove out to West Dennis. I can't remember why I was out that way. It was, it was for an errand. But I said, I need to just go to the water. I don't know. Sometimes I just like going to the water and, and uh, to the ocean, just standing there. And it was cold, so no one else was going to be there. Just crazy old me. So I got to West Dennis, and I can't remember the name of the beach, um, but it's that one. Do you recognize it? And I was just there, and I was just standing. I remember just standing there and praying and saying, Lord, I don't know what the deal is, but I just, it wasn't like it was this huge storm in my life, like the thunder and lightning and crashing down, and there's trials and all these awful things. It was just kind of a slump. It just kind of was like, not a storm of life, but it just felt cloudy, just dreary, and just, you just were down. The enemy works in mysterious ways. God works mysterious. The enemy works in mysterious ways. He'll really mess with you. He was messing with me that day. And I just was more, in, I felt myself getting more impatient with my family and more insecure. And it was just impacting, a little negative. It was just impacting everything in my life. And I, I saw it. Thank God for his grace for me to see. I'm like, you're so much wrong with you, man. You got to get this figured out. So I went to the water. I'm standing there. And, and I told God, I said, I'm not, I'm not looking for a sign. I'm not going to, if, if, if there's an answer, help a, a humpback whale to jump out of the water and splash down, and then I'll know that you're going to. I didn't look for anything like that. I just was looking for something, though. Like, Lord, help me. I'm just, I'm struggling. And I asked himself just to show himself. I asked him to show himself to me. Lord, just show me something. Just, even if it's just a feeling in my heart that I know that you're there. I know you're there, but I'm just, 
Even when you're surrounded by people that love you, and people that you love, sometimes you can just feel like the little island in that picture. It's a little tiny island up there, right there on the edge. And I remember seeing that and feeling like that little island, like, man, I'm surrounded by people that love me and that I love. And things really weren't crashing down. Church was doing fine. And I just felt like a little island, like, man. And I turned around, probably because the kids were just hanging out in the car right behind me, and I just wanted to look back. And I turned around, and I saw my, van, my old red van. God bless old red. And I don't know if you can pick it out in the picture, but I had asked him to help me. I had asked him. I needed something, and I saw this. And, and you know, it's just, I don't even know what it is. But you know what it was for me? I saw, like immediately, I turned around just to kind of check, and I saw that, and it was like an immediate softening of the heart in my, in my life. God uses those little things sometimes, doesn't he? And it was like I felt this wave of grace just pour over me, and I began to cry, and it was, it was the Lord. It was Jesus Christ. And I saw those two beams, and I thought of the cross, and, and it reminded me that he loved me enough to die for me. And that he's enough for every struggle, for every hard day, for every cloudy day, for every day that I feel like I, I hadn't accomplished anything worthwhile. He's my savior for those days too. And it's the truth of the gospel that gives me the grace to worship in the midst of difficulty. If God cared enough about you to give you the cross for eternal life after death, he sure cares enough about you right now and every moment of every day. If God cared enough to send his only son to die for you so your sins could be forgiven, so you could have eternity in heaven with him one day, if he loved you enough to do that, you think he doesn't care about you today on a bad day? No, he does. And that's just one of the many reasons to worship him. Life not making sense doesn't just mean the big scary moments of life, but it's the little moments, the brief moments of difficult, difficulty in every day. That's the reality. And when we choose to get frustrated, when we choose to lash out, when we choose to mutter under our breath and, and, and act in fear and complain, we choose not to worship. That's what we do. In those tiny moments of difficulty, when we choose to get annoyed and frustrated and complain and get impatient, we are making the decision not only to complain but not to worship. I'm not going to use this moment of difficulty as an opportunity to worship. I'm going to complain instead and see where that gets me. Listen, Christ alone gives the victory. It's not going to be about you trying really hard. It's going to be about you resting in Jesus Christ. Jesus said it. In this world ye shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer, for I have overcome the world. I'm telling you, church, for me, Donald Savini, the last six months have not made sense to me. It's been crazy. It's been crazy. We go from like our, our first Sunday in the new building with permits, had a big crowd, and people, it was just an awesome day. And then the next day, we find out that our landlord's selling the house. And that's fine, she can do that. We didn't have much time. And then the market just flips upside down, and we can't afford nothing. I'm telling you, it's been a lot the last six months. And, and add to that other personal struggles and, and family things and all these. And I just felt like a weight was crushing me down and further and further. And it just, it's tough. And I know that you have some of the same stuff. We all have tr trials and difficulties. Life just is not always going to make sense. But I have to remind myself every day when I wake up 
and throw my legs over the edge of the bed and go make a cup of coffee or five. <laughs> that in this world, I'm going to have tribulation. Jesus said it. He doesn't lie. In this world, I'm going to have trouble. But he said, I've overcome the world, Donald. You think, the, you think your housing issue is a big deal to me, Donald? Listen, you, th you think, Donald, you think autism is a big deal to me? Because I can bring you through all of that and much worse because I'm your Messiah. I'm your Savior. It's going to be all right. In church, in your life, listen, when trouble overcomes you, remember the one who overcomes. Listen, you name it, he overcame it. You name the trial and you name the struggle, you name the issue, he overcame it. He's big enough for your issues. He's big enough when life doesn't make sense. Okay, remember the gospel. Remember your Savior. Our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. No one's looking around. Thank you again for listening to the Coastline Baptist Church Podcast. We hope the message was an encouragement to your heart. Please connect with us through our website, coastlinecc.org, or on Facebook or Instagram. Send us a message, send us an email, and we'd love to connect with you. We'd also love if you could visit us for a Sunday morning service. You can find our address on our website, and our services start at 10 a.m. Our mission at Coastline is simply this, to know Jesus deeply and to show Jesus daily. I hope that we've helped you do that in your life today. Thanks again, and we'll see you next week.